April 14th, and we are live on a Wednesday night here on Wrestling Inc. I'm Justin Labar alongside Forbes.com's Alfred Kunawa. And Alfred, it felt like slow motion tonight. I didn't have to flip between two shows the first Wednesday uh, since the Dynamite has began uh, that we do not have the Dynamite versus NXT battle here. It felt really, really good. I mean, I, it, I was looking forward to it, but it was even better when just kind of actually letting the matches sink in, letting the segments sink in. You know, AEW likes to do a lot of subtleties and stuff that you kind of have to really be paying attention for. And I felt like there were quite a few moments on the show that I would have missed if I was just jumping back and forth and important things. So it made the show more enjoyable as a whole for me. Just like last night watching NXT, to just be able to concentrate on one product felt really good. Yeah, I agree with that. Even just when there's a commercial break and there's no picture in picture, it's a second to breathe <laughs> just to yeah. catch up and yeah, absorb with what we just saw. So yeah, th- this uh, this show tonight a lot a lot going on as we'll run down. Um, NXT did their show last night on Pose. NXT did very well, over eight hundred thousand, I believe, view- yeah. viewers, and that's that that's the best they've done since Halloween Havoc. So uh, we'll be very curious to see come probably Thursday evening what this dynamite does. This is a dynamite that kicks right off in the opening. I think ninety seconds. You see Mike Tyson yeah. in a pre-tape. As we get Tyson backstage, Tyson, of course, tonight is going to be special enforcer for Jericho versus Dax Harwood. And we see Tyson backstage, and MJF immediately uh, approaches him. And this is logical. Alfred, let's just go ahead and get out of the way. The obvious thing is, wouldn't MJF just go to try to pay off Tyson? That's what he does. Takes some shot at Tyson, takes some shot at regrets, and notes Tyson's face tattoo. Uh, offers him a blank check, to which Tyson rips it up, puts it in his mouth, and spits it back out of him. So we immediately cross that off, or at least at face value, Tyson's not going to be bribed. What do you think of this? I thought this was a great segment. I think it played to both Tyson and MJF's strength and that Tyson would interrupt him and just kind of begin to threaten him and MJF would just fast talk his way out of it and he had that funny face tattoo line. So I thought this immediately told the kind of the story behind what Tyson was there for. So I just really thought this was very effective. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And again, just thinking, again, you're unopposed Wednesday night. Um, You know, you have Tyson, so... I think having him right off the bat, like like that in that pre-tape, made a lot of sense, especially when you know he's going to be part of your uh, hour one main event. Uh, you don't want to have people having to hang on for 56, 57 minutes until they get their first glimpse of him. So uh, good start there. Good piece of TV for AEW. And then we go into our first match. This match is going to occupy the rest of the half hour. Uh, this is going to be your heel, Young Bucks, now, coming out, new ring gear and everything. Of course, uh, having uh, sided back with Kenny Omega and Don Callis and the Good Brothers. Uh, the Bucks with their titles out there against uh, Pack and Phoenix, and uh, I mean this one. I everything you can imagine, Alfred, is in this one. I mean, we got false finishes. Um, they go to the outside. We're hitting uh, you know poison ranas. We got super kicks in you know into the crowd. Um, Pack hits his finisher, but then Nick Jackson pushes Phoenix into him. That breaks up that pin, and then finally uh, the the finish comes to be uh, the Young Bucks pull off Phoenix's mask. And, of course, he's now distracted by covering his face and then in stereo, give him a stereo of super kicks and the Young Bucks uh, win here. Again, a, a very long match, but a lot going on here with these heel Young Bucks. What do you think of this? Unbelievable. I mean, I thought it was the fastest 30 minutes I've ever watched in terms of wrestling. Uh, I, I remember looking and it was 626, and I'm thinking, well, if they go like another 20 minutes, I don't think that would uh, be long enough. I know a lot went on, and I know um, people might say that they did too many spots, but this is what you do when you have like these four super athletes who just – Everything you'd think this match would be on paper, it exceeded that for me. And, I mean, Ray Phoenix once again had that incredible comeback. And they just had a lot of, like, the double poison Ronda, but they did it on each other's partners. And then they go at each other one-on-one. I just thought this was fantastic. And this is this is on the level of some of the better AEW tag team matches they've had in the history of that company. And that's a high bar. Yeah, and, you know, look, you're not a, you're not, you don't have any opposition 
for wrestling fans to be clicking over on cable. So you can get away with doing a longer match like this to start. Not that we, I mean, not that Dynamite hasn't put out half-hour matches before they have, but to kick off a show and do this can maybe somewhat be risky uh, trying to hold the audience. But I think, I mean, the audience, I mean, it's an entertaining match. And I got to say, I'm not, I still don't know if I fully agree or following along with the story or know exactly what is ultimately going to be accomplished. Maybe that's good. Like, I don't know if I'm quite into the whole, like, Bucks have now rejoined and now they're heels. But I will say this, they work, they, they actually work, they, they play a really good heel tag team. For as, <laughs> for as flamboyant and as colorful and as obvious that they could be baby faces that they, they, they have been, they have some really good offense that plays to their heel shenanigans. And that's, and that's just what a, what, a sh- what a shitty, dirty heel finish to rip the guy's mask off. To then yeah. Him. No, this is why I wish they would have had done a better job emphatically turning heel instead of that uh, hot and cold thing because there's never been a doubt in my mind that the Young Bucks could be great heels. They were incredible in Japan. Some of their best work, whenever I think about the Young Bucks, I mostly think of their heel work because they're a very good heel tag team. But getting there was a bit of a struggle, and it does seem weird that they're so committed to being heels now when last week the story they seemed to be telling was how conflicted and in the moment that seemed. Not, not that they had pulled the wool over our eyes like they're kind of presenting it now. Uh, and I was really sad to see their tassels go. I've always been a big tassel guy. Ultimate Warrior, Randy Savage, British Bulldog, Texas Tornado, some of my favorite wrestlers just because of the tassels. And now the Young Bucks are rocking fur, kind of like Tyler Breeze. So I was not happy to see that. Big Nasty is a mark for Texas Tornado tassels? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that's what I knew about the Texas Tornado before I knew about Kerry Von Eric and World Class Championship Wrestling. But, you know, love the tassels, man. Just because of my age, I'm guilty of that, too, because I saw him as Texas Tornado first and then went back and right, uh, discovered. Right. Tassel, all right. Learned something new. Known you for a while. Didn't know that one. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. so overall, I mean, this definitely is a match. If you like tag team wrestling and didn't see this match, I mean, go watch this. Um, this was fun to watch. And we're going to get more of the Young Bucks in a little bit in a promo. Uh, you know, again, I kind of said something like this last week. I don't, like, whereas Pinnacle and Inner Circle feels like they knew where they were going after six months and then they booked it backwards as you would traditionally like to do yeah yeah again the buck stuff kind of feels like we're calling it as we go but um but 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 nonetheless i mean that, that's not always bad and it's, it's, it's as long as they just keep it looks like they just keep on a path and it makes sense right um, so. and i was very entertained by this group throughout the night i like the stuff that they did later on too Justin Lopez, dollar ninety nine. Dior Nikes, what a flex! Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those were fancy, some fancy uh, shoe work for the young ones. Are a low key sneakerhead. They they they've got very good. I, they like to wear Jordan Elevens. They've got very good shoe game. All right, we get a backstage interview with uh, uh, Hangman Page. He doesn't want to talk about the elite. Um, we see the inner circle in a backstage. Uh, we also then get uh, Jericho. Um, well, we get we see the Dark Order, and then then we go from Dark Order. We see the Inner Circle standing there, also with Mike Tyson. And basically, uh, Jericho is asked, like, "Look, you know, you and Tyson have been at it. Last time we you know we saw you guys in Dynamite, you guys were ready to rip your heads off. Like, what's what's going on? Why friends now?" And Jericho basically gives the explanation, Alfred, that you know, you know, obviously he's seen the light. He's a babyface now. He's trying to right some wrongs, and one of the first wrongs he tried to right was making a call to Mike Tyson to say. You know, I'm sorry, you've been on the top for 30 years. You've stayed relevant. You know, Jericho says he can relate to that. Um, and Tyson said, if you ever need my back, I'm here for you. And then Mike Tyson proceeds to say, look, I'm here, but I'm going to I'm gonna enforce this down the middle. I, I'm firm, but I'm fair. Uh, so, Chris, I'm not going to give you any slack. Uh, you know, you've got to follow my rules. So kind of trying to reinforce here that Mike Tyson is not just on the Jericho payroll, that he is, he is a, he's not a man who's been bought at this point. Everything about this was almost like they were just closing all the plot holes airtight in that 
they kind of made it kind of a real life situation as to why somebody would uh, reunite. And even in the realm of pro wrestling, like Jericho repented last week. He said that he turned a new leaf and this, that, and the other. So uh, reuniting with Mike Tyson in this fashion and acknowledging that plays into his new character, which is now back in black, but, you know, doing things a different way. And I really like how they addressed that. And I definitely like how they kept Mike Tyson kind of like, I'm not going to be bought by anybody. I'm Mike Tyson. He's his own thing. You know, Jericho likes to talk up how unpredictable he is, and that's when he's the best. And that's what they did is they made it to where is he going to turn heel or is he going to uh, you know stay with Jericho? And I thought that was a very good job of moving that forward. Yeah, this segment, and then again, the one they hit, they started off with with MJF, just you know, again acknowledging MJF with the possibility of trying to pay Tyson. It's it's good to like just like right off the bat, like just put out these obvious things that like you know anybody like. The obvious swerves that you that you would see, like address them right here, you know. And that's that is one thing I'll say. AEW and there's things that I'll that I that I I cringe at that AEW does, but I will say I think this is one that they've consistently done well, which is they, you know, that that, that maybe even WWE at times over the years is like, oh, we never saw that coming. Yeah, and it's like come on, guys. I mean, at least do a little bit better. So I like the fact they just immediately again just cross that off your list that's not where we're going here tonight or at least that's we're gonna at least make you think that's not where we're going so it's a nice little mind mind trick game here so again reinforcing the fact tyson's going to be on uh soon get some uh women's action here we get jade cargill versus uh, red velvet of course this stems back to uh, they've had some history over the recent weeks they, they of course were in the famous shack tag match up against each other velvet comes right comes in strong i'm she uh, as soon as uh, jade gets in the ring velvet's attacking her um heavy offense but then quickly jade answers i think with a big knee to the face um, and then we would get a, an outside fallaway slam. Jade or uh, yeah, Jade would toss Red Velvet into the crowd. This looked pretty sweet. Not something yeah. we all, always see. Um, and then finally, uh, Red Velvet she starts to get a nice uh, babyface comeback. It's a big clothesline, hits a standing moonsault. She misses a moonsault from the top rope, and that would set it up for uh, Jade to hit her finish uh, on Red Velvet. So Jade Cargo. I mean, both both ladies, I think for what it was, look good. But Jade Cargo, obviously the uh, the stud long-term that they are building here. Superstar. I mean, and they let her do a lot. I think that it was showing a lot of trust in her to do that follow-away slam like that, given that this is, what, her sixth match, I think they said. Um, and, I mean, she just looked fantastic. I thought Red Velvet looked very good. And they did a very good job in terms of a grudge match of making this matter. I like that they really built around uh, Jay Cargill finally taking a bump uh, because she's that giant and Red Velvet is so small that it would take that much more effort to do that. No, good call on that on the bump. Good call. Uh, we got a super chat here for five dollars from Corey Pride. I like Jade, but she could use a manager to talk for her. She could revive the women's division. You know, I don't know if I, I agree with that, Corey. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know, even Jade's promo where she came out of nowhere when nobody knew who she was—that pro- that famous promo where she you know ran down Cody and then Brandy came out and, and got in her face—I thought Jade showed a ton of natural charisma. And you know, and AEW is not known for word for word scripts. They kind of you know they give you the bullet points, but they kind of let the talent. Uh, work it in their own words, something that, you know, we, we look at WrestleMania rain delay. We all kind of like to see a little yeah. more of uh, across the business as a whole. I think Jade's got a lot of natural charisma. I don't think she necessarily needs a manager unless you find like, I don't even know. I, I was going to say, unless you, but they, they've, it's kind of already played out finding the, the, the veteran male or female to be your, they, they're already pl- out doing that with Tully and with Jake. I, I think Jade can stand by herself just fine. Like, absolutely. I think those promos that she's been cutting in a pre-taped environment are have been very good. She's very good at coming off as unlikable, as just like inherently uh, unlikable. And that's kind of like that heel way that she has of carrying herself as this character. And I think she does a great job of it. I think she does a good job uh, making it come across better than anybody could talk about it. Yeah. Um, and again, look, you know, manager speaking, I love managers, but I don't I don't think Jade 
uh, needs that at all uh, right at this point. Uh, we do see Britt backstage. She's got a big board of her rankings again, doing her math and logic oh, for, how, for, for how she should be rising the rankings. And she's going to continue to be on, uh, she'll be on dark elevation next Monday. So she's continuing to make a point to rack up some wins there. Yeah. And then really quick. And also it kind of doubles as an explanation to the viewers, because this is a shoot chart. This is exactly who's contending. So in one way, she's kind of explaining to you while like enveloping that in her character, who's complaining and saying why she should move up. So uh, in a roundabout way, this is putting values on wins and losses because now there's going to be consequences. I loved everything about this. Absolutely. And I mean, again, I, not necessarily in the next month or two months or even three months, but man, you can just see eventually just uh, the, 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 the crash that can be, you know, a Brit and a Jade. And then they got some other women that are, you know, Thunder Rose is hanging around there now. I don't know. We don't know what her, is she full-time made it, whatever, but like they're starting to really get some pieces that man, when you, when you, when you book it right and you got that next big show, you know, when you got that, when you got your big show in September every year, whatever it's going to be, yeah. They got some pieces in the women's division that uh, they got some big matches that if they continue to groom these ladies properly and book them properly, could uh, could pay off. Absolutely. Okay. Up next, we get Anthony Agogo versus uh, Cole Carter, and uh, Agogo, of course, they're putting him over. He's part of the QT Marshall's group. Uh, they're putting over a commentary. Agogo, uh, his boxing background, and he's from uh, he's from England. Mm-hmm. And this is a very quick. And this this <laughs> ends Alfred with just a brutal gut punch. So the ref stops it, which that's not a finish that we see much in AEW is a ref just stopping it. No, no, it's not. And I'm glad. I mean, if that's going to be a finish, start it early, start it in a match like this, and then get people used to that punch because now it's going to be a very important punch. Uh, it's very convincing for obvious reasons. This guy is a very talented boxer until he suffered eye issues. And this is all it had to be. They even said the guy, I think it was Cole um, uh, Carter, that he was wrestling, has only seven months' experience. So I'm just in the back of my mind like, man, this has to be kept. And then it was over. And it's, okay, perfect. That's exactly what it had to be. Yeah, Cole Carter, he's worked IWC wrestling here in Pittsburgh. He's, uh, yeah, he had this match. And then he, I believe he worked dark, uh, AEW Dark against, I think, I think Lance Archer. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, but you're right. Not a lot of months in the business. So keep it simple. Um, my only, here's one thing I'll say about this, and, and like I think I think a go go looked like a million bucks the yes. size, and, and and the real background that always helps when you can pump up the real life background when when you can Google and verify what the commentators are saying. That just you know it's, it's Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle. I mean, it ain't mm-hmm. it, yeah, it ain't rocket science. Um, a go go with the gut, one gut punch, and then we're gonna see Tyson here soon, and Tyson's gonna lay a killer punch out. It is it is a bit of a like, you know, you see that and then you see 30 minutes of false finishes. Sure. You see oh. a po- you see a poison rana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> I, it's I gotta, disbelief from segment to segment, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, that's that's my biggest critique, but I don't want to rain on Anthony Gogo's parade. Uh, I thought this was a great look for him. So <laughs> Right. Uh we get a Miro promo. How how you feeling about Miro? I'm feeling better and better. I think uh he should be your next TNT champion. Uh, I like the idea that he's going hunt. I don't actually. I don't like the idea that he's going hunting for Kip Sabian. I would have just rather him just destroy him out of frustration for costing him the match. Uh, but it's pro- a fun little thing that he can do while he's um, waiting for his shot. But I, I like the fact that he said anybody with the title he's going to come after. I think it should be the TNT title, and I think he make a very good dominant TNT champion. Yeah, if Darby's still champion when that point comes, I mean, obviously we've seen Darby can work with bigger people. Uh, most everybody's bigger than Darby. But yeah, I could see a lot there with Darby and Miro. I, I agree. I mean, Miro, mm-hmm. it's better and better. But I mean, I just, I'm so impatient because I'm such a fan of the t- raw talent that he has, his size, mm-hmm. his look. And of course, you know, we all saw, you know, wasted opportunity in WWE. So I just wanted to, I wanted to get with it. 
Right. Get, right. Rid of the, get rid of this Kip stuff. Get rid of the Chuck stuff. I just, I'm sorry. Just yeah, yeah. I was hoping he would divorce from that immediately when they lost that match, but they're going to kind of string it out. But maybe that's just because they know they've got time before all these matches that develop. But I really hope they have a uh, short plan for him to become TNT champion because Darby doesn't need that belt anymore. No. Oh, well, we'll, 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 we'll talk about that. If he, uh, if he, assuming he won. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to. Oh, I mean, I think I think most people have, I think most people have seen the show. So we'll recover. Okay. <laughs> I think most people have seen the show. Darby in the main event. Everybody, stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now we get uh, one of the two advertised main events. I would say this is Dax Harwood uh, versus Jericho. Uh, the gimmick here is again Tyson's outside enforcer. Each can only have one person at ringside. So Jericho has Sammy, I believe, at ringside. Dax has Cash Wheeler. Um, these two come out swinging. Harwood and Jericho <clears throat> coming out swinging. Uh, Tyson stops Jericho from using a chair <clears throat> and then he stops Dax from some other shenanigans. And then eventually Dax is over at the, uh, like the timekeeper's table and uh, ends up sneaking, sneaking a mic shot to Jericho's ribs. Jericho then takes a pin and jabs it into Dax's forehead. Um, uh, Cash Wheeler tried to get up and distract when Jericho had the walls of Jericho on. So then Sammy comes over now, Sammy and Cash Wheeler are going crazy. Now all of a sudden the tunnels let out inner circle and pinnacle. They've been fighting backstage. They're on the stage fighting. It's it's it, everything is going crazy. Um, Cash Wheeler has the base has a baseball bat. He's getting ready to use it. Tyson stops him and just lays him out. If it if it was a working punch and Wheeler's timed it and sold it great, then yeah. bless both of them. If it was not a working punch, then bless Cash Wheeler for taking that for the team. <laughs> it looked brutal. Uh, finally, and in all the mayhem, uh, Judas effect. Chris Jericho gets the win. See, now this was the match when I thought to myself, okay, you see the exposure a little bit with how this was a slugfest in that, you know, for wrestlers, Jericho and Harwood are good strikers and whatnot, but this is the same match that you later on saw what looked to be a shoot punch from Mike Tyson. And so to kind of compare those two, kind of expose those, I didn't like how much they made it a slugfest, but they did work a very smart match, and I thought it went, you know, as, as it went along, it got a little better. Uh, but, you know, this wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. And it was more of the outside interference that you would start to see more and more of uh, on this show. I thought this show was representative of everything AEW is doing right and a lot of what they're doing wrong. Uh, that's a great point. I think we can we can once we get through the, all the show, we can probably kind of run through those pros and cons. Um, yeah, I agree. And then after the match, Jericho proclaims uh, Tyson as a an incendiary member of the of the inner circle. Uh, Tyson's even modeling the inner circle's shirt now on social media, so <laughs> boosting those sales. <laughs> he seemed legitimately happy to be inducted in the inner circle. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard everybody I've ever talked to that have, especially in the in this WWE run, who's had uh, so many different um, you know situations. Everybody says that he is he is one of the most respectful celebrities because he's just so happy yeah. to be there. I mean, yeah. you know, I I, awesome. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he's. I mean, it's not, this is not true, but like he's one of those guys you could almost say like. He might pay just to be there. He would just do it for free. You know? <laughs> yeah, he would. <laughs> if he's got free time and something else to promote. Hey, come come watch me on pay-per-view beat up Evander Holyfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lennox Lewis can get in there. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right, we go to the parking lot. Don Callis, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, Good Brothers. Uh, they're in the parking lot. Um, they're saying basically, you know, they got sick of hearing the podcasters and the message boards and the media and the websites of of oh, this is what we this is what they have to be, and this is how they have to act. And and they're now doing what they want. Uh, a whole lot of hoopla, blah, 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 blah. blah. Ultimately, though, Don Callis uh, caps it off with saying, uh, you've been surprised before, but in the end, be prepared to be surprised again. And then they proceed to uh, kick and knock the cameraman uh, to the ground. So, yeah, Don Callis delivered it. I, and I thought that was laugh out loud funny because, you know, they think like they weren't going to do it. <laughs> and then of all people, Don Callis delivered it. 
It was very funny. And I, I like this promo. What do you think this means uh, in terms of uh, the surprise that's coming? I don't know, because I'm going to be honest. Like, it, it's a lot of AEW with the we have a surprise hasn't been, like, I don't know. I feel like they, they, they've Dixie Carter themselves at times. Yeah, yeah. It seems, you know, you know when they catch you out of nowhere, you know, when Sting shows up on a, on a random Wednesday in December and nobody has any idea, you know, when that happens, when, when, you know, when we get an email press release at the big show, Paul White's now with them, you know, yeah. the ones that come out of nowhere, but like when they start to say, we got the surprise and tune in for this new signee, it, it tends to, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's the fault of us as media and fans. We start to fantasy book the greatest possible Cal says they have surprises. They must have CM Punk. They must have signed him. You know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about whenever, whenever they start labeling that they have surprises to come. Yeah, they have shown you they're hit or miss because sometimes, you know, like when they said that they were going to have that great Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa match, they didn't really like go over the top advertising it. They just kind of said, hey, tune into it. And then it ended up being a great match. So maybe that should be a lesson for them. But, uh, you know, yeah, we'll see what the surprise is. Yeah, and that was a match too. And, you know, it was a great match. It got a lot of, you know, I got a lot of great buzz. And it was a match that was taped. So they already knew they got to watch it. They say, okay, we have money right here. You know, and so in that, in that situation, I'm okay. But, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, when you're going with some things that happen live or unpredictable, I just I, I stay. You know, especially we heard I think Jericho and uh, Christian were talking about it on Jericho's podcast not long ago, where Jericho was saying how after AEW and Tony Khan just out of nowhere surprised everybody was staying. The TNT Network was like, "Whoa, whoa, don't be doing that. We need to pop the rating. Let yeah. us know. Let's 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 promote what's coming." Hence yeah. why we hence why we saw a press release for Paul White, and then. Come tune into Dynamite to see him, you know, and and and, mm-hmm. and Christian on the pay per view. Come tune into Dynamite to see Christian. So I don't, you know, so that again, I don't know what to expect with you know out of nowhere surprises at this point. How much, you know, I feel like they've been handcuffed a little bit booking wise. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to your point, ironically enough, they did have an unadvertised appearance by Sting on a show that was taped that they knew he was going to be there. So I mean, I know in that capacity that he showed up, it's like how do you advertise that? But they could have at the very least on this show that everybody was going to be watching who would have been watching NXT, you could have said, and appearing live Sting. And, you know, yeah. that would be a talking point. But Plus, he wrestled. He, like, literally wrestled unadvertised on television. Right. 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 But we'll get into that. <laughs> Thunder Rosa promo. Uh, her talking about she wants all the titles to so just kind of remind you that she's also here in this uh, women's mix. So nice little feature on her. Uh, and then we get another uh, women's match. We have Chris Statlander, who she's back now. She's healthy. She's uh, aligned herself, of course, with Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. She goes up against Amber Nova, making uh, Amber Nova making her Dynamite debut. Uh, she's one also who I think was on uh, Dark and All recently uh, in a tag match. Uh, this is a very, very quick one. Chris Statlander, Statlander wins with like an inverted driver. Uh, this is all about obviously highlighting Chris Statlander, who they certainly missed for the months that she was out. They started really trying to build some momentum around her before she got injured. So uh, Chris Statlander with, again, everybody's going to have a gang and, and an allegiance. She's with the best friends. Yeah, I think she fits right in with them. And it, I, I really liked how she looked here. I thought she looked more improved. And what I especially liked is that the commentary did a good job balancing the comedy aspect of her being an alien without completely dismissing it, as you know, JR once controversially did. Uh, they <laughs> kind of gave her space in terms of telling this alien story. Uh, you could tell they didn't all the way believe it, but they did present it respectfully as if she believed it. So I think that's what's missing, the subtlety with this alien character, because maybe she just identifies with an alien, as an alien and she uh, decides to live her life that way. And I think that is an intriguing character. And it's far from being the weirdest thing that we've ever seen in pro wrestling. So <laughs> yeah. let's, not, let's not die on the alien spaceship hill. <laughs> Um, all right, we get a Taz promo backstage, and he basically is telling both Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, 
know, you guys are a little, little amped up. You know, things get a little tend to spill over, a little controversial. Why don't you guys stay in the back? We're going to chase down this Christian Cage guy. You know, we shouldn't have to be chasing him down, but we're going to chase him down, give him his final opportunity to join Team Taz, uh, which then takes us to Christian uh, in the in the ring, being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And uh, he's quickly interrupted by Taz. And uh, some verbal jabs <laughs> traded here. Uh, but between Christian and Taz, Christian says, I'm glad that you're on those three steps, so that way you're high, high level to say that to me. Uh, Taz and Ted, maybe it was just really good acting too, but Tad actually seemed like he was getting a little uh, worked up. I should be standing on my wallet uh, and I'd be <laughs> 10 feet taller than you and Christian gives all, all that bingo hall money. <laughs> which kind That's of improv when he said that, by the way. Which kind of seemed like yeah, it was improv and a call Tad because Tad's like, oh, I got other money too. <laughs> <laughs> he started clapping back. Like, hold on, hold on, time out. <laughs> He's like, I got other money too, and then and then like it, it starts to like just break down. And Tad's like, you know, I never liked that other guy that that, that carried your ass all those years. Referring <laughs> to Edge, of course, it just really broke down into the uh, into the shooting, so to speak. But ultimately, uh, Hobbs is going to get in the ring. He and Christian are going to go at it. Uh, That's one of the funniest parts of the whole show. He and, yeah. he and Christian are going to go at it. Um, you know, Hook and some of the other guys they they uh, prove us some distraction. Ultimately, giving Hobbs the upper hand. Hobbs just starts to beat the hell out of Christian. Uh, I mean. Final shot, Christian's laying on the ground down in the steps, and Hobbs is just towering over him. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> some comedy and some of the jabs, but at the end of the day, uh, Will Hobbs was the star of this. He was, and he was getting heat. They were chanting, Will Hobbs sucked, and that is a very good choice in terms of somebody like Christian to work with in terms of getting them better, And because there's a lot of promise with Will Hobbs. All he needs is more ring time, and someone like Christian to at the very least have a match with would be very helpful for Will Hobbs. But I, I loved when I saw that, in fact, they did get more serious by the end of the segment. Like, you did see the comedy aspect, but then you were convinced, and he gets his credibility that Taz has this legion of dangerous men, so... But that was a very funny segment. I really did enjoy watching it. It just felt very real. It and they did. had very good chemistry together. Well, and another 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 shot too. The Taz when he's getting all hot, you know, uh, mad at Christian. You're mad that Christian's out there wearing his colors because Christian had orange in his, yeah. in his pants. Yeah. And, it's so petty. Which is something I believe that like Taz would actually like. Nobody else is wearing orange. That's my guess. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we're gonna see Hobbs versus Christian next week. So I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so far, Team Taz is, uh, you know, they 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 kind of are in need. They you know they might have won some things on Dark, whatever, but they're really in need of some dynamite and pay per view wins because up to this point, we've seen, you know, Taz saddle himself to Brian Cage, mm-hmm. bestow the FTW title on him. You know, Cage hasn't really got a lot of meaningful wins. He's got a few squashes here and there. It looks like we're on the road of breaking C- Brian Cage away from Team Taz. Brian Cage, I guess, joins with Christian Cage. Uh, you know, I feel like Team Taz. I feel like needs a little bit of. You know, so I, I don't know if they can make if they can get if they can find a way for Hobbs to get a win against Christian next week, you know, using some shenanigans. I think that could be, you know, I mean, look, look Christian's Christian. I mean, he, yeah, having Hobbs beat him if, if it comes via being outnumbered by three or four guys, I think that would be the logical thing to do here in this situation. And I, I with Team Taz, it's always two steps forward, one step back, or even maybe even vice versa. Every time they do something positive, they always get reeled back in terms of the amount of time that you see Ricky Starks or uh, Brian Cage. So I know you know everybody's going to say that they need more TV time and whatnot, but Team Taz, I feel like, is always in the mix and featured in something, but they kind of are now like a dog chasing its tail, like going around in circles. Well, and let's be clear here, as we're going to see in the fullest of full display here in this main event in a second, I mean, you know... If you're if you're one of two or three stables in a show, 
very easy for you to get like some clout back and all of a sudden now look like a tough guy stable. When you are one of 15 stables and everybody is a part of an affiliation of a, or a faction, that's a lot. I mean, if, if they kept power rankings on, 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 affili- on affiliations, you know, Team Taz is down towards the bottom. So it's a lot mm-hmm. harder to like work your way up when you have all these other things to sift through. Uh, but that's, I mean, I, I joke, but that's what AEW at times has the all the news team and Anchorman gathered in the back alley to, to, to fight each other. That's what it comes out. Like everybody's, you know, especially, you know, Channel 4, Channel 2, Channel 11, and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, como estas, bitches, and here comes Spanish language news team. Rick, you're on this team. Come on. <laughs> Public access and, uh, you know, nobody, no touching of the hair, you know. Yeah, that's what yeah. it, that's, that's sometimes it. when the locker room starts to unload, that's all the image in my mind. Yeah, well, now it's the image in my mind too, Justin. Not every, I mean, that's one of my favorite movies ever. But now, every time I see all these factions fighting, that's what I'm gonna uh, start to see. <laughs> all right, so here we go, and it's gonna be a full display in this uh, main event. Here we got uh, Matt Hardy versus Darby Allen. Falls count anywhere, and uh, this starts out with just uh, Hardy on top for the opening minutes. Just brutal chair shots and different uh, different varieties to the back of Darby to the point of where Darby's uh, back is bleeding. Uh, JR notes that this is Hardy's 28th year in the business, and uh, Darby Allen is 28 years old. So there's a nice little, uh, you know, uh, veteran versus a, a young guy comparison there. Chair shots continue. Uh, then we eventually see the Butcher and the Blade, and Private Party, and 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 Hardy's guys. They start coming out to outnumber. Uh, and then we see Dark Order and Sting. They come out to even the odds, and this is where it really all starts to go crazy. So that you have all this trying to even the odds. Sting's in the ring. He's fighting people. He's double clotheslining the Sting. You know, he's then all of a sudden Lance Archer comes out. Lance Archer's trying to uh, prove his worth after he's been pumped up and kind of challenged verbally by Sting these past few weeks to to you know be who you you know can can totally be. So now you got that sidebar. And at this point, Tony Schiavone even says on commentary, "There is so much going on, we can't see it all. I can't (laughs) keep up with the main event, ladies and gentlemen." Uh, And there's and there's a commercial in somewhere in this. Now we're back to the top of the stage, and there's a base. There's Sting's baseball bat they're using. Um, they, uh, Hardy and Darby go backstage. They're in the in the in the well, I guess they call it the dusty position, the big grill position. Uh, and they Hardy goes up on top of the ladder, jumps off the ladder, crashing through the table that has Darby on it. False finish. Darby's still alive. Come back to the stage, and it ends with Darby getting Darby. I think uh, gets a low blow on Matt after being pushed around by Matt. Gets a low blow on Matt, and then Darby throws Matt on top of the announcer's table, and Darby proceeds to crawl up the big scaffolding, the lighting scaffolding, and does a coffin drop from there. That gets him the victory. So Darby Allen a win. You know, a, a great, great for Darby. And, like, but, I mean, I need a scorecard, literally. <laughs> yeah. This this is an absolute train wreck. I think um, it ended up being a fun match. Like, the, the way it finished, it was a good visual, but... This was like I thought this match encapsulated all the criticisms I have against AEW and everything I like about AEW. I thought the first few minutes when it was Hardy and Darby Allen, they did a good job of smartly building up to using the chair to where by the time he was using the chair, he'd swing it once and they're going crazy because they did a good job. It reminded me of like WrestleMania 13, how they kind of built to the first time Austin hit Bret Hart with the chair. They did a good job doing that. And then the longer this match got, the more dangerous it got. It got right back to Darby Allen killing himself. Uh, and they had all those false finishes. Then they had all the stables running out. And um, AEW's numbers have been softening as of a few weeks now. And the trend 
people seem to believe is, is that a lot of people are on TV and so not enough people get focused. But AEW seems to be like doubling and tripling down. So I'll be very curious to see how that trend plays out because there were a lot of people once again featured on television and it just completely got away from the announcers. They had no idea uh, what was going on in the literal main event. They had to like warn us almost as if they went to commercial that we'll, we'll keep up. We'll tell you what happens once we find it. And so this was a very uh, clustery type of match, uh, but the finish was very impressive with Darby Allen almost killing himself. The finish was, and, and, and you're right. Like every, I think it's like AEW, you're just trying to get them to settle in the middle. Everything again, sometimes tends to be an extreme of, of different of how we've been so used to seeing it. When I say that again, I refer to WWE and in the sense of, you know, WWE got into a, a habit of where it's like so many guys were sitting in cratering, right. And, and the same people that are featured, same, you know, and, and so, again, you like the fact that AEW has this mindset of like, okay, even if it is a what would traditionally be a squash match, let's still give the loser a little bit more shine than what a traditional squash match would have. Or let's not just use the same guys. Let's try to find ways to have sidebar storylines in, in a match like this. There's so many sidebar storylines to get more guys and girls featured. And, again, the, the, the intention is great, but you still have to be realistic with like, you still want to try to draw new and casual viewers. And that can be very difficult to do if they tune in and they're this lost sometimes. And, yeah. and, and you, and you have to have, you, you had to have watched being the elite or you had to have watched dark or dark elevation, maybe to pick up on why that was important. So, I mean, it, it's going to be forever a happy medium for them to try to settle in. I think it will help when they have another show on TNT. Yeah. Keep teasing. It's going to happen. Maybe they can try to like let dynamite breed a little bit more. Um, and before I pick back up, I'll go to Glenn Lipkin here, 499. says, Darby being booked like Super Cena, very silly, kicking out of multiple finishers, including the twist of fate with the chair, dumb over booking. Well, I mean, I, I mean, Glenn, you have an argument there, but again, it's, it, again, look at just dynamite, AEW by nature. I mean, again, as we said, you're trying to sell a Tyson punch and a, and a uh, I just forgot his name, the boxer. You're try, um, the other boxer that did the oh, uh, go go oh, go go thank you yeah. you know, you're trying to sell these punches but then yeah you have some crazy falsy so you, as, as alfred said you just gotta segment by segment you just gotta like suspend the disbelief a little bit yeah it's a variety um, show you know it is but i was excited to see this i'll tell you why I, we had some audio that aired somewhere and um i think early 20 yeah or it was early 2020 we had some audio that, that I, I recorded for wrestling inc it was myself and matt hardy doing an interview and Matt had said, and this was right when Matt had just got to AEW, and he, and he talked about you know young stars that were appealing to work with. And Darby Allen is one that he noted. I think that even Jericho had texted him when Matt was still in WWE, saying, "You're gonna have to work with this kid." And, and then, yeah. hey, Darby even kind of reminds me of like a young Jeff Hardy. And so I know Matt has always been interested to like get to work with Darby. So seeing this tonight, knowing there's gonna be false kind of anywhere was gonna give them more creative freedom to use ladders and such. Um, I thought it was that got me kind of interested and excited to see how this was going to play out. And again, right. for what Matt and Darby did, did not disappoint. Right. But as we discussed, uh, sometimes kept it, kept hard to keep track of everything going on. Rich Antonio, four ninety nine. I noticed the trend of AEW's numbers declining right after Revolution because of the ending. Not sure if that turned some fans off. Uh, oh, the, uh, the Revolution ending with the, the yeah, it's always hard to zero in on it, and that's actually a very good theory. Um, but I mean, they've really kind of done a nosedive as that's just one of the theories being floated out there. So we'll see. I think this first week, and there's also, they went up against March Madness. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that really took out a lot of people. March Madness was on fire this week, this year, in terms of the ratings. Um, so I think they're going to be back to pretty good rating for tonight's show. Yeah, we shall see. Of course, Wrestling Inc. will have those numbers as soon as they get out. So so that was AEW Dynamite. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it certainly, as you kind of summed it up perfectly, Alfred, that main event kind of showed you like, all the things that you love about it and all the things that you're like, 
yeah. tough. Um, no, absolutely. But it's a different flavor. It's it's definitely not a flavor you're getting any other night of the week with pro wrestling. So it's, it's a way to look at it. Uh, we'll look at some other news. Speaking of AEW, uh, and AEW and the women uh, specifically, uh, so uh, Eva Lise, uh, it seems like her time and AEW has come to an end. This is, a, again, a story you can read about on WrestlingInc.com. Uh, she tweeted, history repeats itself, unfortunately. I speak about mistreatment, and I get let go. That's life. Now, she last appeared on AEW on March 2nd edition of AEW Dark uh, in a tag match. Uh, and, a, and a recent report from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter basically says that she was taken off AEW program and possibly due to an issue with some AEW coaches. Um you know, she's also, and, and unfortunately, Ivelisse is not, this is not the first time that she's been uh, caught up in potentially some controversy in politics. You know, there's, there's some controversy in the past at Lucha Underground with, uh, with Thunder Rosa. Um, I believe also there was some with her with NFCW. So, you know, don't know anything more other than what, you know, what it is, other than we could say Ivelisse is no longer with AEW, but, you know, the track record doesn't bode well for trying to get, people do not immediately believe what they might hear on the internet, whether, whether it was right or wrong, that there was an incident or not an incident. Yeah. And that, that's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Um, obviously it's not fair to say that uh, she has a bad track record. So she should be dismissed. However, the track record should be taken into consideration and will be in terms of how people are going to evaluate this situation. And I think it's very unfortunate because of how talented Eva Lise is as a wrestler. She's very naturally talented. She was in that trios with uh, a, another male tag team and did very well with intergender matches. And she's got a lot of different talents, but she's looks like she's going to be remembered for more of the stuff outside of the ring than inside of the ring, which is a shame. Yeah. And, and, and too, like, again, the, the report from the rest of the observer newsletter just says, you know, and in, you know, problems or incident with AEW coaches and that that's that's a report that it's almost like if you can't whether wrestling observer news or had more and they chose not to or what yeah. like if you don't if you don't have more like I, I i'm hesitant to put that out there because that can be taken in so many different ways especially in the year that we've had in pro wrestling with the with with, with speaking out and, and stuff like what's an incident with a coach mean does that mean yeah sexual harassment or does that mean you were rude and and how you were handled how you handled yourself in 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 training or in being given advice or being given instruction for what they want like so that's that you know again that that report is such a yeah the and uh, the optics of her just i mean i don't know what happened but the optics of her just being released if indeed she did speak out and say something like that aren't very good for AEW so it's just interesting to see if something went on, if there needs to be an investigation. Uh, looking back on this, it might not be a smart move for them to part ways the way they did. But we don't know what happened in terms of why they parted ways. Well, mind you, when you say parted ways, it's our understanding that she, she was fired. Yeah. Well, well, that she was basically on a per deal situation. Yeah. Per appearance deal. So it's not like that she was, uh, we you know, under like a three year contract and they decided to terminate. You know, they they kind of. It's almost like AEW kind of was treading lightly already. They're just kind of going right. by parents, seeing right. what happened. Yeah, so uh, so we'll see. But that's 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 all that she is. Uh, she she hasn't said much more other than you know, what we've acknowledged here on Twitter. So then right. I, I doubt AEW is going to speak anything on, on this. Uh, so that's our AEW news. We'll hop over real quick a headline for WWE and uh, WWE President and Chief Revenue Officer Nick Khan, no relation to Tony. Uh, he recently uh, spoke to Variety to talk about WrestleMania 37 and just WWE in general. And uh, he was asked about after Raymond James Stadium having fans and the universe uh, being part of WrestleMania this year, uh, asked about uh, return for fans permanently and touring again. 
And Khan said, any plans? Yes, any plans we can share? Stay tuned, he said. But just know that once we're back on the road, we're on the road full-time. We're not looking to do other one-offs. Again, this was WrestleMania, and we felt the need to be done for the fans. So look for news coming soon. So that's pretty exciting, right? Yeah, very interesting. We'll see. I mean, last time we saw Tony Khan make, or not Tony Khan, Nick Khan make some kind of promise. Uh, a lot of people blew it out of proportion in terms of Becky Lynch coming back. And so that didn't happen. So people might have that fresh in their minds and think, well, okay, if you're going to make this promise, hopefully uh, they do get a live event soon. But I don't know how WWE is going to be able to uh, do it in such a shorter turnaround than what's uh, we're looking at now. But I think uh, Florida being there, it's going to very much help WWE's case. And uh, do you think they'll be back by SummerSlam? SummerSlam is what I kind of thought. My thought was, you, you know, you do another big summer, you do a big SummerSlam, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in Florida. I mean, I guess we have to see how other states uh, continue to progress. But, uh, or, or maybe you do do in Florida, but you do a big SummerSlam, have fans, and then from that point on, whether you're holding a residency in Florida, you know, just circling the territory of Florida, or you truly can get out and, and move more around the country, I think mm-hmm. SummerSlam, you have fans, and from that point on, that, that is your kickoff back to you know, back to back to, to the normalcy. Um, but then mm-hmm. at that point, you are dropping the Thunderdome gimmick and getting back to having, you know, real butts in the seats. Um, yeah, which they need. And, you know, look, if they feel like they can operate the best in Florida because they have, you know, backing from the Florida government and, you know, again, Florida's basically become WWE headquarters of the South um, with, with so many of the talent living there. And, of course, and this is pre-pandemic with so much mm-hmm. of the talent living in the Tampa, Orlando area, the PC being down there. It just became the headquarters of the South. You know, I, I, I still believe they'll eventually open up probably a physical Hall of Fame, probably somewhere through the Disney properties. Yeah. Um, you know, you could I could see them surviving for a good part of the fall time because the weather's nicer, so you don't have to worry about hazard of travel. I could see them just working Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, just going to all the major markets and just just, just doing a, a loop of, of Florida, especially if you're going to ease back into it and not not try to get Ten thousand fans at every raw taping. If you if you're if you're fine with having four thousand, and obviously it's spaced out, and everybody's going to understand that, you know, I think there would be enough of them. I think there would be enough fans that where you could get around and do that, and not not burn your market out uh, too bad. Yeah, it, what you're describing sounds like a souped-up version of what they did with NXT before they would let them go to the main roster. Is they would just do loops around Florida, so it's not like they were traveling nationally. But to get them ready for a live audience, they would just go to these cities in Florida. They do about four hundred thousand people, but with the WWE version of this, it would just be a little bigger version of that. So you know they're capable of it, and doing it around Florida, I think they'd be very familiar with that type of structure. Yeah, so a lot to say. And then again, you know, this is we're, we're in mid-April. I mean. Um... Both in the and the best and worst of situations we've been saying this pandemic, so much can change. You know, what I mean, what's it, May, June, July? I mean, it's four months away. So much can change in four months. We've seen, you know, we've seen four months this time last year. We I, at least I know I was. I was being super optimistic, thinking, oh, maybe by SummerSlam 2020, we're we're back to fans and this thing's gonna have cooled down. This thing being the pandemic. Obviously, that didn't happen. But then look, four months ago. Uh, you know, I didn't believe that we'd have over 100 million Americans vaccinated, and, and here we are. So, you know, a lot can happen in four months for the good or for the bad. So we'll have to mm-hmm. keep watching. But uh, very interesting that the newest WWE executive would be so ballsy as to say we have a plan coming soon. So they must have something at least. Yeah, uh, on that's paper. encouraging. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that's going to do it. That, that was our big news headlines. Again, WrestlingInc.com. Uh, you can get uh, all, all your news. We'll have, again, the numbers tomorrow, and they're out for how AEW did. So we'll see. 
did, uh, did not being opposed um, by NXT, was it as beneficial for them as it was Tuesday night for NXT? We'll have to find out and see. Uh, plenty of stuff on Wrestling Inc. at all times. Alfred, what's going on at Forbes.com? Uh, right now, I have an interview with Chris Jericho. He said a nice. lot of great stuff. Got the internet all riled up today, so uh, that was fun. So go see what he said about NXT. I'm not going to repeat it on this podcast. When was this interview done, for, for reference? Yesterday. We did it yesterday. Okay. Uh, so, right this before, that, so this is after TakeOver? And- yeah, right after TakeOver. You know, he gets his thought about um, WrestleMania 37, which he had uh, good things to say about. So, you know, a very good interview. I thought he did a good job of kind of explaining the process of AEW and how they approach this Wednesday night war. Chris Jericho on the Broken Skull Sessions, and now he's with Alfred Kunnel on Forbes.com. It's the media route you want to take, folks. Nowhere to go but down. <laughs> 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 follow him on twitter at this is nasty follow me at justin lord thanks everybody for staying up and having fun with us appreciate all the comments share like tell a friend we'll see you next week when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply